Welcome to the Pendulum Podcast. This is episode one, our initial inaugural episode. The Pendulum Podcast is an open exchange of information and ideas intended for professionals in the right-of-way industry. This podcast is for anyone interested in the infrastructure that supports our standard of living. This includes everything from roads to rails to trails to power to pipelines to parks, libraries, public places, and all the amenities that we enjoy. You may also be interested in our discussions if you've been affected or displaced by those types of projects, whether through relocation or eminent domain, or if you simply appreciate the amenities of our modern world. Today's podcast is sponsored by Pendulum Land Services, LLC. That's a full-service right-of-way acquisition firm managed by industry experts who are dedicated to the integrity of the right-of-way process. Visit them at www.pendulumland.com. With us today is our regular crew, Kristen Bennett from the great state of Texas. Hey, Dave. Hey. And Ross Green, an eminent domain attorney from Virginia. Hey. I'm Dave Arnold, your host and occasional referee of Spirited Discussions, so let's get to it. This is episode one, eminent domain, good or evil? What say ye? We'll be figuring that out. So here's the deal. We as Americans, we're always bragging about our resources, our wealth, and especially our standard of living. The greatest nation on earth, we frequently proclaim. It's, it's a land of great space. It's spread out over thousands of miles, which we always, we've always been rich in natural resources. And do you know what's really great? What? The country has been modernized for 100 years. You flip a switch, the light comes on. You turn on a faucet, you've got clean running water. You turn up the thermostat, you get heat. Cable TV, hundreds of channels, and nothing's on. We have roads to take you anywhere you want to go in the United States. We have interstates, country roads, state highways, expressways. We have a massive rail infrastructure to offload supplies shipped from overseas to consumers everywhere in the continental United States. And let's not forget, we have planes, trains, automobiles to take you anywhere in the world, airports. But wait, there's more. We have bike paths. We have parks, public libraries, city halls. Are you with me on all this? Don't these things enhance our quality of life? Isn't our transportation infrastructure vital to our economy? And each of these amenities has one thing in common. They require real estate. They're built on real estate or they require the use of real estate rights. What much of John Q. Public often doesn't realize is that the property on which this infrastructure projects, on these infrastructure projects were built was not for sale. If I want to build a road from point A to point B, what do you think? Every parcel of property between those two points is listed on the market? Do you plan projects only where there's property listed for sale? As we explained to eminent domain juries in our opening statements, when you see a road project, the state doesn't just show up with bulldozers and steamrollers and start construction. First, they have to acquire the property that the road is built on. And if it's not for sale, and if it's not owned by someone who wants to sell it, they're not going to cancel the whole thing. Not usually. There's a process used for the involuntary acquisition of private property, and that is what we call eminent domain. That's what we're here to discuss. The property rights advocates scream that it's not fair, and sometimes maybe it's not fair. 
But then we all want running water. We all want heat. We all want electricity. And if there's one thing that every American has in common, if there's one belief that we only share, and it is only one belief, it's that we all hate traffic. What do you think about that? I agree with that. Ross, you like traffic? I no. love traffic, Dave. That's, that, <laughs> it gives me time to do work in my car, which is my home office. As, as you're driving in traffic, you do work? Yes. Uh, don't you drive with your knees? On on occasion, uh, I suppose. Oh, only when you're sipping a roadie, right? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> All right. So, eminent domain. So, what? Ha, I don't know. What would a layperson describe well, that as? Eminent domain, I think, sometimes is considered like a bad word. Like we take we take people's land that's not for sale. We take it. I hear people say that all the time. We're taking land. We're taking it. That's kind of a little bit unfair. We don't take it. Uh, eminent domain is. Um, well, if it's not taken, then what the heck are you doing? We're, They're we're not handing it to you with a bow on it. Stealing, obviously. We're it's stealing. Oh, rhyming steal and stealing. It. It's a and Beastie stealing. Boys song. We're stealing it. No, it's it's the right to condemn property, and you have to pay just compensation, but it's also the obligation of the condemning authority um, to pay that just compensation. It's not just the right to take it. It's also the obligation to pay just compensation. And I think that's the part that's sometimes left out. Yeah, is that you don't just take somebody's property. We don't take we don't take it. That's the point. Yeah, we don't take it. It's an involuntary it. purchase. We buy it. We pay for it. But they don't want to sell it, which it is why matter. you're we're condemning still, it. We're still paying for it, so it's not we don't take it. Pay a lot for it. Yeah, and we call it oh it, it's in the take. What's in the take? What's in the take? It's not we're not taking it. We're buying it. Okay, so Ross, what what's the constitution have to do with all this? Yeah, well, clearly we're stealing. Um really no, we've already established we're rhyming and stealing. No, we're just stealing. No rhyming. <laughs> like no one has rhymed yet in this podcast. It's uh, early. But the uh, the Constitution has to do with it because people don't understand the way this actually works. They think it's all on the radio. It's eminent domain abuse and stealing, and they're taking my land. You only have the rights to your property that the government basically allows you to have, which people don't want to think about. I mean. It's the government. We're a democracy. You're part of the government. It's all a social contract that everybody agrees. Everybody can have property, can own property. But it's not your property unless the law says it's yours. Here's the way that underlying all that, the government gets their property back. When you have the Constitution, the sovereign has the power to take, quote, your property for the public use. Basically, if everybody else needs it in a way that is sufficient enough, the government can take it back from you. That power exists in the government and always has. So it's not created by the Fifth Amendment or your state constitution. It just exists in the government because the king could just take your stuff, essentially, in the common law. Uh, he could just take what was yours and make it the king's. Initially, when in England, when they were making roads, they didn't have to pay anybody anything. It just made the road. And when they started the colonies, the same thing. They just cut the road through. Nobody got paid. Now, people viewed that as a problem. So you have the Fifth Amendment that means you can't do that without paying just compensation. But the power is always there. The Constitution is a limitation on that power. It doesn't give rise to the power. Uh, so that's, but the, that, that's, that's not exactly what the public thinks. or That's not what I hear. 
Every time we're involved in an eminent domain case, the landowner's attorney is saying, no, it's my client's constitutional rights that you're infringing upon. Yeah, you got no right to take this. Whatever you hear on a podcast is true. and whatever This podcast, say, it's all true. Whatever they say on Fox News is 100% true. And yeah. everything on the internet's and true. everything on the internet and your Facebook comments is 100% true with no need for source material. Well, as you know, we get all of our source material on this podcast from Facebook. I Facebook check everything in our script. Yeah, we don't fact check. We Facebook check. We Facebook check it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, Ross, um, a couple of years ago, you did a little presentation at our local IRWA chapter uh, meeting, and you, you actually presented eminent domain in the biblical context. Your argument was it went back to the biblical times, wasn't it? No, it's just a funny story. Oh. I want to hear it. But it's in the Bible. It It's... 1 Kings 21 is arguably, I mean, been quoted since at least the French Revolution as the first incident historically of eminent domain. So I like the King James version of the Bible, which makes it kind of hard to understand what's going on, but it sounds better. Uh, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. What? Huh? What does all that even mean? Yeah, what's mean? happening? Okay, okay, so now we'll read it out what? of the New American Standard Bible. <laughs> now it came about after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. What? <laughs> Can you put that like for somebody on my... Quit um, pressing the button. Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is close beside my house and I will give you a better vineyard than it in its place. If you like, I will give you the price of it in money. Okay, so sounds like eminent domain, right? King walks up, says, I want your land and I'll either pay you for it or I'll give you some better land for it. So- Is that just compensation in the Bible? Well, theoretically, yeah. I mean, he says he's either gonna give you better land or he's gonna give you the worth of your land. Sounds sounds legit at this point. Sounds like what we think of as eminent domain. He doesn't just say, nope, Naboth here, I killed you, this is mine, <laughs> or this is mine, get out. He says, I'll either buy it from you or trade it from you. Okay, sounds okay. And when, this is the key part, Naboth says that God forbids him from doing that, that he's not gonna do it. He says, the Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Okay, well, so he says, he says no. It's not. He has the option to say no. Then what happens? Well, this is the part where you know it's not uh, what you would usually expect to happen and looks more like eminent domain and is familiar to uh, all the right-of-way professionals. He says, so Ahab came into his house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. And what he do, what's he do? He says, and he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food. So basically, <laughs> he gets told, no, you can't buy it or trade it from me. And he goes home and cries and doesn't eat his dinner. Oh, I thought you were going to say he called an attorney or something. No, no. Okay, he just, all right. Like, like he's, he just goes like a right-of-way agent does. You go and you're like, hey, I make this offer. And they're like, pound sand. And then you go back to your office and you're like, yep, just told me to pound sand again. Like, <laughs> Okay, okay. Let, let, yeah. Let's, let's put all this into context, okay? So the entities, condemning authorities people, agencies, whatever you want to call it, that exercises the power of eminent domain, are they representative of good or evil? Well. I mean, that's the point of the whole podcast. That's the question. I'm not sure we're there yet. Well, 
I, I hope that it's the only answer can be it's good. Otherwise, we're all working for the dark side. We're bad people. Well, a couple of us are, not me. <laughs> That's debatable. Okay. I know. Well, there's certainly cases of eminent domain abuse. Nobody can deny that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all over. Anytime, anytime anything's even questionable or close to the line, it's on the local news. On the five thirty leads the with the five thirty story. Well, when when are, when when is an entity allowed to use the power of eminent domain? What's the definition of that? It has to be for, for public purpose. For public purpose. Yeah. Which, that's pretty broad. That is broad, and mm-hmm. we kind of got into hot water a number of years ago, where they were condemning property, and then handing it over to a developer. Yeah, economic development is right. that for public good for public use? Well, the argument was that it was. And uh, a number of folks, especially those in the legislature, took issue with that. Yeah, and now I think after, um, well, the Kilo case, after the, since that happened, which I don't know if we want to even get into uh, that, know, probably uh, not. But there's apparently there's 47 states that have increased protections uh, for people that would be affected, and and to make sure that this is not economic development, and we're going to buy all this land from you and give it to a developer to build. An amusement park. And, and it, we, in Virginia, we actually did it twice. We had comprehensive legislative reforms, um, I don't know, 13 or so years ago after Kilo. And then they said, wait, but wait, that's not enough. <laughs> now we're going to make a constitutional amendment in Virginia. So, Okay. I think it was really, um, well, it, it, clearly it became a platform. Clearly. If you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, what, 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 let's talk about the benefits of eminent domain. Well, there are some. <laughs> well, you know, back up, back in fairness, um, it's, easy, it's easy to focus on the benefits and ignore the, the misery of it when it's not your property being taken, but when it's actually your property. Suppose it's a, I don't know, a, a house or an estate that's been in your family three or four generations and they decide they're going to put a highway through it. How do you put a price tag on that? Well, that's the problem. You don't. You have an you have an appraised value, but that doesn't yeah. put a price tag on. You know, I, as somebody that, that focuses on relocation, um, that specializes in relocation, I, I I get in the weeds with these people that live in their the house that their granddad their great granddad built with his bare hands in the depression, and they all lived there, and mama died there, and now so and so was born there, and we're going to buy their house. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we appraised it. We're going to give you two hundred thousand dollars for this house. There's no compensation for the, the history and the, right. the emotional ties to the to the place, and that happens all the time. And that's that's the kind of sucky part of eminent domain is that we, we there's 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 that's not compensable. <laughs> right, but why should it be? Like your feelings in a paper sack is worth the paper sack. Oh, see now you know Ross. My own mother told me I have the compassion of a fence post. Yikes. You might have even less compassion. Well, I am a relocation agent, and they call us the bleeding hearts for yeah. a reason. And why is that? <laughs> because because we get in the weeds and we deal with like displacing an eighty five year old woman from her house that has Alzheimer's. Like she gots to go, she gots to go. Like you can't just kick her out of her house. I mean, there's there's a process in place, and there's benefits available for her. And you, it's it's when you get to know them and you're dealing with them, and tr- you obviously as a relocation agent, your job is to make sure that. They're getting every dollar that's due to them under the Uniform Act, but you, 
you got to do some hand holding. Okay, so what you're saying is there the system does look out for people, and it, it, although it can't address every deficiency, whether there's sentimental value or otherwise, um, in addition to receiving just compensation, in other words, the fair market value of the property that's being acquired, there's an entire Uniform Relocation Act, and that's separate, isn't it? That's separate. I, I often talk about that there's two buckets of money if you are being displaced, either as a resident or as a business, or if you just have a pile of bricks in the right of way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you move those bricks. I'm going to pay you to move those bricks. And that doesn't come out of your money it that you not. get from the government or from the agency That's right. for it's the fair a market separate, value. It's a separate bucket of money. You got your bucket of money for the acquisition, and then you got your bucket of money for the relocation. Well, a relocation... Nobody- is a reimbursement. You Nobody spend ever hears it to about get it. that. No one hears Nobody about that. Hears the about jury that. doesn't hear about that. The general public doesn't hear about that. No, they hear you gave this lady $100,000 for her house and you kicked her out. And that's no, they it. they hear that you stole it and kicked her out. You stole it and kicked her out. When in fact, she was paid fair market value. And then if I'm involved and we're talking about my 85-year-old lady with Alzheimer's, there's a supplement available to her. And we can get into that on another podcast on how that all works. But there's a supplement available to her to help her afford to purchase and occupy something that's comparable as good or better than what she already had. And that's in addition to the acquisition money. And it also, I'm but required. Wait, there's more. There, but wait, there's more. Under advisory services as a relocation agent, I'm also, I'm also required by law to connect her with any appropriate social services. So if we're dealing with somebody that has Alzheimer's or that has financial issues or mental issues or drug addictions, I am required to point them in the right direction for help on that level too. I'm not a social worker, but I, I, I got to be aware of that and I have to um, do what I can to make sure that they have access to that sort of service. Okay, but here, I, I want to make this clear and I think I've already made the point, but I want to make it again. Okay. Because I don't think there's a general public understanding of this. No, there's that, not. That you have what we call eminent domain, which is I'm going to build a road through your house, which is oh. no bueno for you, right? Right, right. Okay, and so so they're, they, the government or the agency, is required to pay you just compensation for yes. that. And just compensation, Ross, I know you have this stored away. What's what's the standard definition? Well, it's fair market value for the most part. I mean, it doesn't have to be theoretically, but in America it is. Okay, so you're going to get fair market value for what's being acquired. And then in addition to that, because... You're losing your home and you have to be displaced and relocated. Someone like Kristen Bennett knocks on your door with her own bank account. Yes. And in addition to a possible supplement, I also pay to move all your junk, all of it, all your stuff. I'll pay actual reasonable and necessary costs for you to move all of your stuff. You can hire a mover and you can get insurance. I'm going to pay to move it too. And that does not come out of the acquisition money at all. Separate bucket of money. Okay. Well, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about a project um, which is featured on our blog. We've got a blog at rightofway.law, and this one was published in April of 2020 in an article entitled Road Projects Lead to Big Business, and it's it involves a road widening project in Ross Green's hometown of Suffolk, Virginia. And it was something that was, it was a project was which was planned a number of years ago. It appeared that they... You know, the powers that be had decided to essentially widen a back road. And the deal was they were going to widen this road from a major intersection to the city line 
and then the adjacent city of Chesapeake, Virginia, was going to continue the widening all the way to the interstate. And so they did it. And it required involuntary acquisition of, of some commercial parcels, of some residential parcels. Uh, eminent domain was involved. The news was involved. And there was a lot of angst over, why would you have to do this? Well, as it turns out, a couple years later, after the project was completed, Amazon comes along, purchases 95 acres in Ross's hometown of Suffolk, Virginia, and announces that they're going to construct an enormous <laughs> fulfillment facility of 3.8 million square feet, four stories, the largest industrial building in the Commonwealth of Virginia to be constructed in Little Suffolk, Virginia. And then, but wait, there's more. Oh, what? They then announced that they were going to construct a 650,000 square foot processing center in neighboring Chesapeake. And the net result of these two projects was one, was 1,500 jobs brought to the area. Well, that sounds like a benefit of intimate domain to me. Well, you would think so, but I don't think the people who were impacted by that road project would agree with you. Well, that's the, the not-in-my-backyard mentality. That's Everybody right. likes eminent domain until they have to participate in it. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit in traffic unless they well, got to yeah. take your yard. Okay, I got one. So, you know, I live in North Texas. I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, in 2014, there was a new, it's called the Chisholm Trail Parkway. It's 27.6 miles. It connects Cleburne, which is a little suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It connects Cleburne to downtown Fort Worth. Um and since that was built in 2014, there's just been like massive, massive commercial and residential development. We've got, there's this upscale outdoor retail center. And I mean like upscale, like all the stores are like Tiffany, Louis Vuitton, all, all the best restaurants. They've got this, it's a, it's a bowling alley. And listen up, they've got a mixed, this is a big one, a mixed use development with a minor league baseball park, housing developments. Big, big box retailers, industrial and warehousing businesses, and uh, there's a state university expansion campus that has the potential to have, I think it's more than 9,000 students. And that is all because of this 27.6 mile Chisholm Trail Parkway. It's made a massive difference in the Fort Worth area. So that's a big one. Yeah, and, and when you describe that, it sounds great to me. I live 1,500 miles away. So good on you guys, but it's not my property being impacted. Right. What if it were? I wouldn't like it so much. I'd well, say, go build it in your backyard, not mine. Right, but that's not how this works. I know. Yeah, the, the key part to both of those things is that it's actually the road that's involved. I mean, it's neither one of those involved any condemnation for development. It's, they're just road projects. You have to have roads in order to have development. You have to have transportation capability in order to increase development. If you don't have a road or a way to get there, you can't put a higher density development there for everybody to enjoy. I mean, if you want things, you have to have a way to get to them. You have to have a way to get power to them. You have to have a way to get supplies. And all of that stuff takes everybody working together. And the way that everybody actually works together on this is through eminent domain, which is what people don't understand with this whole eminent domain is stealing, eminent domain abuse campaign. What's behind that is a bunch of lawyers essentially who represent landowners who want to make more money off of basically Ooh, inflating their claims. What's coming? It's Ooh. where that comes from. It's all pride. Sorry, the crowd. The crowd didn't like that. So, what do you think, Kristen Owen or Luke Wilson? Oh man. Okay. Well, I do have some opinions on this. Okay. 
Owen has a weird nose, but he's adorable. All right. Luke, Luke is like kind of conventionally handsome. I really liked him in the Royal Tannenbaums, but I will say Owen Wilson is funny and like just li- he could say one word and it makes me laugh. So I think Owen is funnier. Luke is probably better looking. Yeah, I don't think Luke is funny. He's, he always no, kind of plays a straight guy like in old school yeah. or in uh, Legally Blonde. Yeah, and he's good at that. He's kind of boring. Like, he's safe, good looking. He's an okay actor, but, like, I don't think he has, like, challenging roles or anything. Owen Wilson can literally say, like, one phrase. Or oh, he, essay. Or he makes up, he'll do a look and, like, squint his eyes and look at the camera, and I just laugh. He's funny. Yeah, like in Zoolander. What was his character in Zoolander? Oh, what was his name? Hansel. Hansel. He's so hot right now. He's so hot right now. And also, um, speaking of Royal Tannenbaums, his character in Royal Tannenbaums makes me cry laugh. That, I don't Luke know if you like Owen? that. Owen. Owen. Luke's oh. not funny in that. Luke's very serious. I mean, he like yeah. he attempts suicide in that movie. That's very serious. But oh. Owen is funny, and he's weird. I don't know. I'm a, I think I'm going to go with Owen. If I just have to pick one, I'm picking Owen, hands down. Ross, you got any feelings on this? I don't know. I don't have a soundboard to hit wah, wah, wah. Uh-oh. Did you just... Did you... You asked for the sad trombone. There you go. Okay, so there's... You don't have a soundboard, but you do have to pick Owen or Luke. Why do I have to pick? They're brothers. <laughs> do you know them? Are you afraid you're going to hurt their feelings? Yeah, they're not going to hear this. I guarantee really you, neither one of them is going to listen to the Pendulum podcast. Yeah. Sorry, sponsor. Sorry. Yeah. Well... You're Dave. probably going to ask me what I think. You know what? I was going to ask you. What do you think? Who's your favorite Wilson brother? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I've got to go with Luke. What? Yeah. Wrong, wrong. Wrong. What? Do the buzzer. Thank you. I don't have the sound, so I have to ask for the sound, but that's uh, that's the wrong answer. Would you like to defend your answer? Yeah. I just think he's a regular dude. It's like I'd like to have a glass of bourbon with Luke Wilson. Owen Wilson, I like, feel like he... Uh, he's too much of a kind of a surfboard. Surf oh, he would probably kind. not want to have a bourbon. He'd probably want to smoke a joint with you or oh, something. Oh, whoa, 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 yeah. And I always think of his character in Meet the Parents, where he's just kind of like this cool, laid back. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had some he's good times. Like, Boy, she was a tiger. <laughs> Everything you what, want to hear from an ex boyfriend. Hopa? He's Hopa? so funny in that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, so next week, what we're going to talk about is your favorite song by Spandau Ballet. What uh, I don't I I don't really know what that is. Um, what what do you mean? Is it a it's a ballet? Yeah, it's a no, it's not a show. It's a band. Everybody knows this, Kristen Ross. No, I've never heard of it. Okay. You've heard of Spand? True. I they have I, one and a half I songs. Wanna, I don't want to one and this a half in, songs. But you you are a little older than Ross and I, so this may have been a little before our time, possibly. And by a little, we mean a lot. Well. Let's not let's not get what? into the, let's not get into the weeds on that. So what? You're are, are you saving this for the next podcast? Spandau Ballet. They have one and a half songs. They have a song called True. this much is. And then they came out What's with another right song, now? which was even better than that, called Gold. Dun dun dun. And I liked Gold better, but no, that's why that's the half song. That Gold is the half song. It's the half song. Look it up. Get it on Amazon Music. You're gonna love it. I'm going to check that out. I'll do a little research, and so we can discuss that more in depth on episode two. Unpaid plug here for band nobody's heard of in decades. Right. Well, okay. this is true. Okay, then we'll talk about What's your favorite song by Kaja Gugu? All right. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to have to stop you there. <laughs> I think maybe it would be a good idea for us to talk about something that has happened more recently. Than Kajagugu? What's that? Hush, hush, too shy, or whatever, something like that. Too shy to shy, hush, hush. hush that one? Yeah. Oh, I do know that song. I think okay. I heard it when I was like two. I was 17. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, eminent domain, good or evil? Oh, we're back. And we're back. We are ba- and, and we're back. And we're back. We're back. Uh, Luke, the, that last segment was brought to you by Luke Wilson's agent. Yes. <laughs> is there any such thing as inverse eminent domain abuse? And this is what Ross was kind of touching on earlier um, when I when the crowd began to boo. Um, but can the process be abused inversely, not by the agency, but by the recipients of the benefits of either the Relocation Act or people who uh, have been impacted by eminent domain? Ross? Give him some of... Give us your story. Yes. There you go. Okay. I think he's intimidated that the buzzer might come through again. Yes. There's no... Don't buzzer him. We only only applause. Do the harp noise again. That will help him. Okay. Ross, tell us your best example of inverse eminent domain abuse. Well, I don't know. What about the time we paid that guy, what was it, two, two and a half million dollars for his property and he got the money and then just wouldn't leave the property? Oh. Ouch. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that was that one was great. It's like, oh yeah, you've been completely paid for this thing, but you think you want several million dollars more, so you're just not going to leave and continue operating uh and he actually he actually put the money in his bank account right yep and but why wouldn't he leave what was what was the end game behind not leaving he just wanted more money so well where does that money come from from the state which from your tax money essentially so us we're paying for that yeah amusingly at least in virginia you're not allowed to tell the jury where the money comes from that they're demanding though you can't point out that it's actually from the taxpayer's own pocket where do they think it comes from i don't know people think government money comes from the moon i mean right now it's just like money printer (laughs) money printer go burr and everybody's like yeah money printer go burr yeah where's my (laughs) stimulus check where's my second stimulus check i'm like where's your mind-boggling inflation and your grocery bill going through the ceiling because you can't make a money printer go burr due to basic economics and then your milk costs $34 a gallon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, you guys don't remember the 1970s, but inflation may be on its way back. Yeah, it's coming back. We've switched to the ruble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. my God. Oh, my God. Uh, so, um, what say ye? I cannot get away from the fact that there are people who eminent domain has devastated their lives. Oh, help, me it, out. help me out here. Well, because it doesn't matter what you whether you think they should feel bad about it. It's hurt them because the most sentimental thing I have is a red cookie jar made of clay. And I would not give that up for a million dollars because it sat on my grandmother's counter. And I used to swipe little powdered donuts out of it when nobody was looking. There was always a goodie in there. And I have that cookie jar. And you know, if we put it out in a garage sale, I wouldn't get 35 cents for it. But you couldn't offer me $10,000 for my grandmother's red cookie jar. I'd never give it to you. But And if you took it, Kristen, you are never going to make me whole for taking that cookie jar. What if I need to build a road through it? Through a cookie? You can't build a road well, in I a do, cookie jar? Your, your, sentimental, your sentimental value of that cookie jar is some people's sentimental value of their home. Right. Their family farm or... Right, that's my point. Snow cone stand. 
Yeah, but we live in a capitalist society, so your feelings don't matter, and the only thing that matters is how much you could sell the cookie jar for. That is the law. That is there's, the law. There's no, there's no denying that's the law. It's actually not even how much you could sell the cookie jar for with the bleeding heart story. It's how much on the open market between a willing buyer and a willing seller under no compulsion would they pay for that cookie jar. Which he would get 35 cents for his cookie jar then. You're lucky. He might get a goodwill donation and eventually gets put in a dumpster. Aw. Although since they took away it's itemized deductions, Are you okay? goodwill's no. really no good for anything. <laughs> Also, note Dave thinks nobody knew he was stealing donuts out of it or somehow that he was getting away with something, when the reality is his grandmother knew perfectly well he was taking donuts out of it, and the reason there was always donuts in it is she knew it and put donuts in it. A cookie jar doesn't magically generate donuts on its own. When you're seven years old, you think it does. You think that, you know, you go by, you go through her kitchen once every 20 minutes and swipe a donut. Oh, she won't notice. I'm just taking one donut. But, of course, if you do it every 20 minutes for three hours... <laughs> right. We're getting up near close to a dozen donuts, not quite. Dave right. was real round as a child. <laughs> That's a fair. fact, Jack. That you know is what? a fact. So it, when it's your turn to be affected by eminent domain, it's not fun. People, it's not, a, it's not a, a willing seller. It's not, you know, I deal with people who have to move out of their family homes that didn't want to move. It wasn't their decision. It's not the time that they wanted to move from their house. However, everybody's got to... You know, everybody's got to do their part. And I, I think we go back to what you said at the beginning. Like, we like having highways to drive on. And we like turning on the faucet and water comes out. And we like turning on our podcast equipment with the electricity that has been provided to our locations through eminent domain. So on an individual basis, like when you're affected by eminent domain, is it great? Is it fun? No, it stinks. But it's for the greater good, and it's 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 necessary if we want to live in a civilized society. Full stop. That's it. So is it evil? No, it's good. It's hard if you have to go through it. You know, I think there's a comparison to be drawn here. Oh? Do you remember um, what was probably one of the greatest movies in the history of cinema? Uh-oh. It was this um, incredibly heartfelt movie called Roadhouse. I think it came out around... 1989. Oh boy! And it it, it it featured this actor by the name of Patrick Swayze. Oh boy! May his, he rest in peace. His, by may the way. he rest in peace. And his best line from the whole movie is, "Be nice until it's time to not be nice." Probably why he's the patron saint of pregnancy. Now what now? Nothing. I mean Patrick Swayze, man. I mean look, ghost, <laughs> dirty dancing. I mean, you know. you know what? And he can dance, and he can make a clay pot. There's but he cannot act. Could not. I'm sorry. Rest in peace. That was not nice. I'm it sorry, Patrick. Ma- it Swayze. doesn't matter. He gets people to do the thing, man. Like, you put ghost and or dirty dancing on, you're getting there. Like, he's what? beatified, basically. <laughs> for, I mean, there's more what? children that's middle uh, name should be Swayze. Uh, like, just for his intermediate. What's role. happening here? Can you play the what? <laughs> what? Thank you. What? You know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. So, back to Roadhouse. Okay. It was a to- wonderful <laughs> movie from the 1980s. Yes, I own it on DVD. I, I might actually have two or three copies of it. I thought DVD. you were saying like Laserdisc or something with your track beta, record beta, today. Betamax. On VHS. And so the, the villain in that movie was a uh, guy by the name, his, his name in the movie was Brad Wesley. Do you remember Brad Wesley? I, you know what? I don't even know that I've seen Roadhouse. Who remembers the names of the characters in some 80s movie? Okay, who plays this guy? Is it Owen Wilson? Uh, it's a guy by the name of Ben Gazzara. But hmm. what's really important is that Sam Elliott was in there. And oh, Sam Elliott. Yes. Okay. And he comes in to help out his buddy, 
Dalton, because that was Patrick Swayze's character's name, was Dalton. Okay. I thought you'd be taller. Remember that line? I don't I don't think I've seen it. This is the longest detour in the world to get to whatever the point is here. Yes. You know, I don't really remember much about the um the, the, the dialogue and um the dialogue in the movie was so good I don't really remember the plot. It was just really good acting by Patrick Swayze. So, uh, eminent domain. Good wait, or evil? Wait, what, does this have to... Does well, Brad Wesley House... was like blowing up people's stuff, and Dalton oh. was a bouncer. He was a cooler who, who was hired to come into the roadhouse and calm it down and bring respectability to it. But Brad Wesley was like blowing up Rusty or Red's hardware store, and okay. I'm sure he didn't pay just compensation. So I see. Are, 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 so are, is the condemning is... authority the Brad Wesley, or is it the Dalton? It's the Dalton. The Brad Wesley was what was happening with, who, who are we talking about in the Bible with the the pisseth on the wall and yeah, the dogs? Yeah. I mean that's that's the that's the Wesley, and now now there are some restrictions. That's New Jersey, is what that oh, is. Oh, oh, that's New Jersey. Okay, fair. New Jersey is an album by Bon Jovi. Okay, um, fair. Okay, so. What's what's Patrick Swayze's name in Roadhouse? Dalton. Dalton. Okay, I think I think we're the good guys. We're Dalton. I haven't seen Roadhouse, so I think that is the good guy. Oh I would assume God. Patrick Swayze's oh the God. good guy. God, the point has become lost in the wilderness at this point. Everybody has seen Roadhouse. Except for me. I can't remember anything except what the freaking jacket looks like in a video store, like when my grandpa took me to rent VHS tapes. Okay. <laughs> So you're saying you don't own it on DVD? Well, considering I, it's got to be like Patrick Swayze's. He's got two good movies, and this is somewhere off. Wait, the what? What no, are, dude, this wait, is wait, one wait, of his wait, good wait, movies. Wait, wait, what, what are the two good movies? good movies? Point Break. No, that's no. with yes. Keanu. What? His two good movies are Dirty Dancing and Ghost. Dirty Dancing Dirty is Dancing? not a wait, good movie by any standard. He's in. He is in Point Break. He's the friend. Keanu. He's the he's the surfing friend, right? I, I don't. Oh, I you know who else is in that? Keanu Reeves. Crazy. Crazy Gary Busey. He is crazy. He is. That's some What's crazy. What's the other movie? Dirty Dancing and Ghost. What? Hold on. Okay. Wait. I couldn't watch. I couldn't get through Dirty Dancing. I literally could not get it's through the so movie. It's so good. The chick's name is Baby. No, that's what they call her. Her name's not Baby. You, you don't have a chick named Baby. Nobody puts, puts baby, baby in, in the, the corner. corner. What does that even mean? It, it means, means you don't puts put baby, baby in the, in the corner. corner. <laughs> What does that mean? What is wrong with you two? What is put? You can't put baby in the corner. No. no. What does that mean? What her corner? Name, her name. What is she three? Her name. She has is, a dunce cap her, on. You put her in the corner. Her name is Frances, and she doesn't like that name, so everybody calls her baby. And why do I know that? I don't know. Because the movie's awesome, but, unlike Roadhouse, that nobody in this room remembers. Okay, fair. Everybody, but every person who ever listens to this podcast into infinity has seen Roadcat, Roadhouse, including the Wilson brothers. All three of them. Yeah. They've both seen Roadhouse. All right. So I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, whew, that was an interesting inaugural episode. Thank you all for joining us for the Pendulum Podcast, brought to you by Pendulum Land Services, LLC, a full-service right-of-way acquisition company dedicated to the integrity of the right-of-way industry. Visit them at Pendulum Land or on Twitter at Pendulum Land. The broadcast was produced by Right of Way Consults, LLC. You can reach out to your resident experts on Twitter at Relo Kristen, at Right of Way Ross, and at Right of Way Dave. Everybody have a great one. What do you think?